Hey, welcome to another episode of the Zach Hiley Show. If you guys don't know me, and I'm Zach Hiley, and I'm a doctor, I guess now, crazy, in Boston. So for this video, I'm turning 28 very, very soon. When this goes live, I definitely will be 28, maybe even 29. Oh my god. Anyway, so I'm going to talk about 42 things I learned in my 20s. Let's get right into it. Number one is scheduling things. I think scheduling as many things as possible is the key to success. Honestly, this Apple calendar guides me when I'm going to study, when I'm going to go work out, when I'm going to be in the hospital, when I'm going to accomplish everything, when I'm going to even do these YouTube videos, these podcasts, everything like that. Importantly, now I use an application called Calendly, which is not sponsoring this video or anything like that, but they're amazing. Basically, they coordinate with my calendar that I have on Apple and they allow people to schedule 30 minute meetings or 60 minute meetings or two, three hour podcasts, coordinating them with my schedule. So all of my life is scheduled. Everything. Everything is scheduled. Number two, call customer service. Two minute wait times and my problem is usually solved instantaneously. Instantaneously. Uh, Amazon, Apple, delivery food experts, delivery food services, not experts. Why should I struggle with trying to figure something out when I can get with an expert that their entire job is to deal with this in two minutes? I've used this the most probably with Final Cut Pro, which is an editing service I use for my, like when I'm making videos and stuff like that, because occasionally things break. And I try to figure it out for about literally like three minutes before I call the experts and they will figure it out for me in like five minutes. Use customer service. They're amazing. Number three is your parents are people too. They have hopes and dreams and are occasionally sad. They're frustrated, have personal problems. I didn't really learn this until I was probably 23 or 24 years old. I just pictured them as my parents, you know, telling me to do stuff, trying to give me advice, all this kind of stuff. But I think you can evolve into a much greater and more beneficial for both of you. And that's the key here. You're starting to help them out a little bit, just like they're helping you out relationship when you realize, you know, they're real people. They're not just your parents. Number four, friends and family are important. Along the same lines, like in the past two, three years, I've lost a lot of close family members, right? And I've also lost a friend or two, which is crazy. You know, at my young age, I feel pretty young that these people have left my life. But you have to realize, and I don't say this to scare you, that life is short. We don't live forever. Value the time that you have with the people you care about and create more time with the people that you care about. Number five, Aim for people to respect you and not to like you. This is a big thing that I've learned, especially as my face has appeared more on the internet. A lot of people disagree with me. A lot of people think I'm dumb. A lot of people think my hair is dumb. A lot of people think my voice sucks. A lot of people think a lot of things. And guess what? I really don't care. I actually really, really don't care. But I do care if people respect me, if people think my information is coming from a valid source, if people think I'm telling things that I actually think as opposed to saying things just for the like benefits of a sponsor or something like that. That's why whenever I sponsor a product, I obviously reveal that I sponsor a product, but I always only sponsor a product that I actually use and I actually care about because I think you guys and the internet in general is really smarter than you think. I think everyone in the internet knows when you're faking it, knows when you're BSing. So realize that and aim for people to respect you not necessarily like you. Number six is free time is good. I wrote good here, but it's actually amazing. Free time is the best thing in the world. I created this YouTube project with free time. I created this podcast with free time. I've started writing like articles and books and new business ideas and stuff like that with free time. I've met some of the most amazing people with free time. Free time can change your life. Try and create some free time 
as much as you can. Number seven is communicate on email like a human. Let me read this email to you. Dear John, in regards to the aforementioned blah, 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 how about instead, hey, John, can we fix this? The person on the other end of the email is likely a human. And if they're not a human, don't email them. But if they are a human, treat them like a human. You don't have to use fancy words. You don't need to use kind of fancy explanations and colon and, and words that you don't understand. And the other person on the other line will actually probably be more commu- confused this way. Try to communicate like a human. There is no point in communicating in a fancy way and actually usually hinders the conversation. Number eight is meditation. Meditation is one of the few things that really has changed my life. I meditate for 10 to 20 minutes and I use habit stacking to meditate right after my cold showers in the morning. And I use like a Vipassana meditation by using Headspace. That Sam Harris app, I forget what it called, but I'm using it now or Calm. Again, no one's sponsoring me. These are the best ones I've found. But just sitting still for 10 to 20 minutes seems like a silly waste of time but it's hugely impactful. The rest of your day are calm. You can deal with crazy things in a much more calm way, and you can meditate anywhere in the world at any time. Number nine is journaling. Similar to meditation, this is much more significant benefits than the effort put in. I literally just spend two to three minutes in the morning to write down... um, my big goal for today, two things I'm grateful for, and three like little tasks I need to do, and then a brain dump. And it takes me two to three minutes, and it organizes my day. It gets rid of the junk that's kind of accumulated in my mind overnight, and it gets me ready to kind of do what I need to do for the rest of the day. Number 10 is cold exposure. Now, the evidence for cold exposure is tricky. There may be some evidence for cold studies, like cold exposure and cold plunges and all this kind of stuff, but these are tiny benefits. Um, cold, cold exposure seems to be reasonably effective in the recovery for after high-intensity endurance training exercises. But here is why I'm giving the evidence. Cold exposure builds mental toughness. Stepping into a cold shower, jumping into an ice bath, um, it makes you able to do these scary and crazy things like posting your first YouTube video or talking to someone you're scared to talk to. It really builds that mental toughness. It builds the mental callus that is the reason I think it's beneficial. And that's the reason why number 11, I think heat exposure is good as well. Again, the evidence for heat exposure is questionable at best. However, I think it builds, again, mental toughness. And if you can build this mental toughness, if you can stick around in these hard things for longer periods of time, you're going to be able to do more things than other people that don't have this mental toughness. There is actually good evidence that if you have a shower or a warm bath, like within an hour before bed, your quality of sleep is actually going to improve. So that's why I always have a hot shower before I go to bed. Number 12 is I can do anything I put my mind to. You can do 20, anything you put your mind to. Building on the theme of mental toughness, I've learned that I really can accomplish anything with consistency and time. Starting this YouTube channel, starting a podcast, learning how to write better, learning how to talk better, learning how to be a doctor. All these things in the beginning, I was effing awful at. I had no idea how to do, and they were really confusing to me. But now that I've started to focus on these things and improved over time, I'm still like kind of bad at a lot of these things, but I've gotten dramatically better. And I think I've accomplished a good amount, like honestly, more than I ever thought I'd able to be accomplished because of being consistent, realizing, you know, I'm going to suck at these things in the beginning, but if I put the time and effort into them, I can do it. Number 13 is anger solves nothing. I don't know if I'll ever have kids, but a good parenting tip that I've heard that I'll always keep with me is to never punish with anger. With anger is the key word. Sure, punish them. Sure, be angry, but never together. Remember being yelled at. Remember being like chastised in front of a huge group of people. 
it probably stuck with you and not in a good way. When punishing, I hope that if I'm ever have to chastise anyone, you know, I'd say, you know, go to your room and stay there for an hour, but I'm not angry. We'll talk about this later. And then internally, maybe I'm just like going crazy, but never externally because the external expression of anger usually accomplishes very little. It usually changes the outcome very little. Number 14, listening is a learned skill. Something that I've learned a lot about on this podcast, it's really hard to pay attention to what the other person is saying. You probably forgot the last two tips I gave, and I gave them literally in the last two minutes. Stop right now and try and think if you can remember the last two tips I gave. You probably did it. And that's because listening is such a hard skill. It doesn't all only involve hearing what the person is saying, but looking at them, seeing what their face is saying, seeing what their body, body language is saying, thinking about the way they feel when they're saying these things. Is they, do they feel good about it? Do they feel bad about it? Should you ask them more about this subject? Should you not ask them more about this subject? How will it make them feel if you ask them more about whatever they're talking about? Number 15, writing is important. Even more difficult than listening is writing. Now, I'm a writing novice, and I use writing all the time for scripting my YouTube videos, for writing out bullet points for these podcasts, for my articles online. And it's amazing the way your speech changes when you write more. You learn that uh, hums, buts, maybe, spaces, ands, bosses. You delete those from the word articles you're doing, right? Because they're wastes of space. And over time, you learn that when you're talking as well, maybe you can delete those things from your head when you're talking as well, and you become a better communicator. You learn to use words in a better way. And I think that's all writing is. It's not knowing fancy words like that are fancy and long and make other people impressed by the way they're like listening to you and stuff like that. The reason writing is such a hard skill and can be so beneficial is because it helps you communicate in a better way. You're able to communicate more easily and effectively with other people if you're a better writer. Number 16, automate and delegate as much as freaking possible. I pay a house cleaner, a talent agent, an assistant, an editor, an animator, an illustrator. I pay for Zapier, Notion, ConvertKit, Countly, Topaz, QuickBooks, Loom, Frame, Google Workspace, WVEngine, Otter. And probably, and probably a couple more I'm forgetting. And the yearly cost of these is probably over $10,000 to $50,000 a year. No joke. Am I crazy or does this make sense? Well, it makes sense because when I delegate or when I automate, I'm freeing up time to do the things that I'm best at, like writing these YouTube videos, recording, recording these YouTube videos, coming up with ideas for YouTube videos. That's where my hours are best spent, not with like cleaning or like doing other junks. Hopefully in the future, when I have more money and honestly more time, I'll be able to delegate cleaning, cooking, laundry, scheduling, editing, everything writing, workplace administration, bills, my home, like when I walk into the house, will the lights turn on or will I have to turn on the lights on? When I want to cook something, will I have all the foods ready and laid out for my meals or will I have to cook anything? These are things that I don't want to have to do in the future. These are things that I want to have automated. Number 11 is reading is a superpower. Reading improves your writing, vocabulary, focus, communication skills, no matter what you read as well, fiction or nonfiction, the actual act of reading improves these things. I now read 30 minutes to one hour every day. And when I go on vacation, I read like five, six hours a day. You learn so much more about books and kind of all this kind of reading stuff. And you also get more in tune with the book when you read it in one fluid motion. Some of the best experiences I've had is honestly just going to a beach and sitting down with a really fun book. God, I sound so freaking old and boring. But really, honestly, sitting down with a good book and just like sitting by the beach and reading. It sounds so boring, but 
It's great. So look at like 100 books before you need to read or this great books list by Nat Eliason. Those are good places to start. Number 18, take all the blame and give all the credit. When I mess up, I own it. And here's how to apologize correctly. I am sorry. You are right. I am wrong. It won't happen again. Don't explain, come up with excuses, talk too much because no one wants to hear that. They just want to hear that, you know, you're sorry and you messed up and it won't happen again. And if you do that in a real humble way, it'll create so many, many, much more better outcomes than if you don't do it in a proper way. I've seen people get so mad in the hospital just because someone's lying or coming up with excuses for mistakes like with patients or just like random junk. Just admit it. People will respect you so much more for it. Number 19, try just listening to music and doing nothing else. Try walking and doing nothing else. Try eating and doing nothing else. A form of meditation is paying attention to only what you're doing. The problem with eating in front of the TV or listening to the music at the gym is that I realized that I didn't get much enjoyment from those individual things. I would only get enjoyment from doing those things together. It was almost like a dopamine like overload, and I hate this dopamine detox and all this kind of stuff. It's almost cliche at this point, but it's kind of true. When you start to combine all these things, you start to only get enjoyment from all these things together. And this can be much more extreme in other ways that I'm not going to go into. But if you think of certain addictions, right, and this can be to anything, people get to the point where they need increasing amounts of things. Try and value just doing what you're doing and focusing on what you're doing. And you'll see amazing benefits to it and you'll become just more present in life. Now I enjoy just lifting or just eating or just listening to music. Number 20, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. It's really, again, a cliche thing, but it's true. When I ask for research projects in medical school or when I ask for guests for the podcasts, I usually have to ask three, four, sometimes even five times. I think there was a marketing statistic or a marketing paper that said something like, the time it takes for people to say yes is like on email number seven, which is crazy, but keep bothering people. A lot of times people actually aren't annoyed by you. They're just swamped with tons of things going on. Email them over and over and over again until they say, listen, please stop effing emailing me because a lot of times they really just are too busy to respond. Number 21 is everyone is shy. Be the outgoing person. Most people are shy. I love my alone time and I don't want to participate in every single social event. If I can stir up the confidence, even fake the confidence to speak to someone, bring someone into a conversation, make them feel welcome, the benefit to them will be huge and the benefit to me will be huge. I try to talk to people I don't know in medical school, in the elevator, in the grocery store, outside when I'm sitting by a pool or something like that. It's awkward a lot of the time. It's awkward a lot of the time, but no one bites your head off. Everyone's happy to talk to you usually. And the new interactions, the new friendships, the new connections you're going to make are huge. Number 22, a positive attitude goes a long way. It goes a long, long way. Don't complain. It accomplishes little and often bums people out. If I can come into a situation with an upbeat attitude, I have a higher chance of positive outcome. I have no studies for this, but anecdotally, the people that come in with a good attitude are much more I'm much more appreciative to be around, and usually we come up with a solution much faster. Have a positive attitude. It goes a long way. 20 more lessons for myself in my 20s. Okay, so number 23, I guess we're on. Your 20s matter. In one study reanalyzed by Meg Jay, many life stories were examined of prominent and successful people. Of the subjects, 80% had their life's most defining moments taken place by age 30. 
For many people, your work is decided in your 20s. You go to school, land that first job, maybe meet your future wife or husband or significant long life-term partner in that time. In 2018, at least, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, the average age of the first marriage was 28 years old for women and 30 years old for men. A good relationship, such as high-quality marriage, a marriage provides benefits to health. However, a low, and this is backed up by evidence, a lower quality marriage is associated with a worse overall life and well-being. Your physical health is often established in your 20s. You figure out your workout routines, your eating routines, how you're going to wake up and go to sleep at night. I know I may not necessarily find the perfect relationship, job, or health in my 20s. However, I do know that this is a critical time. This isn't time to be wasted. The 30s are not the new 20s. They are the 20s. Number two is savings won't make you rich. And this is number 24, sorry. And this is probably one of my most controversial ones. I've said this before on the internet and people freak out. I think it's important to realize how to save in a manageable way. And I'm giving no investing advice or anything like that. Uh, but thinking for yourself, learn about what a Roth IRA is. Learn about taxes. Learn about 401ks. Learn about when the government is going to take that tax money from you. Learn about if you make this amount of money, how much is the government going to take away from you. Learn about the benefits of having an LLC or a business, and then you can count certain things as expenses. And that means any money you make, as long as it's not over your expenses, isn't taxed at all. A lot of my money that I make from this isn't taxed because a lot of that money goes back into buying new cameras, hiring people to edit the videos, lighting, renting office space, all these kind of things. And so I pay, save a lot of money on taxes because I learned about these things. Your 20s, I think, is the time, however, to not save extravagant amounts of money. It's the time to be a little bit more risky with your money. Of course, have like an emergency fund. And of course, you know, maybe start to learn about Roth IRAs and all this kind of stuff because the compounding benefits that you get from interest and investments and stuff like that, especially on tax-free accounts, can be huge. But again, think about it. If you can only contribute like $22,000 to a 401k and maybe like $7,000 to a uh, Roth IRA, again, these are not insignificant amounts of money. And if you're only going to be earning, you know, fifty dollars to $100,000 a year, this is a significant amount of money. And I'm not crapping on that. I make that amount of money right now as a doctor probably, but that's just from my doctor's salary. But I'm saying the crazy amounts of money, the real significant gains, the significant 100%, 1,000%, 10,000%, 100,000% returns come from when you create something new and novel, when you solve a problem, when you do something crazy risky with your money. I took all my $5,000 of savings that I had and I put it into this YouTube project. If I put that $5,000 of money like two, three, four years ago into you know a Roth IRA or a 401k or a stock, maybe at the very best I'd have $10,000. But I have so much more money from that now, and I've learned so much more about from myself from putting that $5,000 in into YouTube. And guess what? Even if that $5,000 failed, I still would have done it again. Because the amount of things I've learned from creating videos, from creating things on the internet is huge. Be a little risky. This is advice to myself, again, in my 20s, so not necessarily advice to you. But if I'm talking to myself here... I would say be a little risky with your money, especially when you have that basic nest egg saved up, especially when you've put a little bit into those longer-term investments. Don't put all that money into like a 5% or a 2% savings account when maybe you could try to create something or make a big change. And I'm not talking about doing crazy investments on like angel investment and stuff like that. I'm talking about creating a company, creating something for yourself, starting that website, starting a YouTube channel. These are the things that are going to pay off big, not that 10% over time for like 60 years. Sure, maybe 60 years later.
but I don't want to be a millionaire when I'm 80. I want to be a millionaire when I'm like 20 or 30. Number 25, you can teach yourself anything. You can accomplish any task. You can jump any hurdle. You can learn anything. It's just a matter of time. Seriously, it's just a matter of time. You can do anything. Coding, you can learn that. Business organization, you can do that. Rock climbing, you can learn that. Just take the time and teach yourself. You can do it. It's just a matter of time. Next, find advisors, mentors, and supporters. One of the biggest impacts I've had on my YouTube thing and like making stuff on the internet is connecting with other YouTubers, connecting with other people that create stuff on the internet. The thing that made me get into medical school, get involved in medicine, become a doctor is a mentor. One of my best mentors in life told me, you know, you can do it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard, but you can go to medical school. You can accomplish these things. But he changed my life. Some other people in college said, you know, you don't have the grades for it. You really didn't go to as good enough school. Your MCAT score really, you need to score super high to do it. And you know what? I was demotivated and I didn't think I was going to do it until I talked to mentors and advisors. Especially in higher education, most teachers want to support students. They want people to do well. I was surprised by how many people really cared and motivated me. Seriously, send an email to one of the professors you care about or someone you met in life and say, listen, I'm looking for a mentor. Can you advise me on X? Could we set up a call once every two months to talk, spend 10 minutes just to talk about my future position in life? These things can change your life. Really, they can. Find someone you admire and ask if you can meet for advice. You'll be amazed by their response. It is on you to keep the relationship going. Next, succeed with no wasted effort. Aim for the minimum necessary target and move there as efficiently as possible. Again, one of my more controversial kind of tips here. But for example, I only needed a specific score to pass a certain class in college or medical school. I would aim for that certain score. If I only needed 30 minutes to get that certain score, I would do it. If I needed to spend another two hours to score an extra two or five percent higher, why do that? The benefit is minimal. There is no benefit to doing these things. Really, you need to focus on getting the minimum score to succeed. However, again, this doesn't apply to things that you really, 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 really want to do well on, like this YouTube channel, being a doctor now and treating real patients. The things I care about now are, you know, being the best doctor I possibly can, making good videos and creating cool stuff on the internet. That's when I want to spend the extra time on. That's when I want to spend every waking extra second I have. But I can't spend the extra waking second I have if I'm spending too much time on things that the minimum effort is not enough for me. So for example, if I want to spend 20 minutes to cook something as opposed to two hours, silly. Again, just silly if my end goal is to eat. But if I want to spend those two hours to, you know, have fun cooking with someone or just do it because I really want to do it, then that makes sense. Have no wasted effort. Aim to achieve the necessary target as efficiently quickly as possible. The next thing is the little habits matter more. The little things matter more. Small habits repeated consistently are more likely to succeed than large habits repeated inconsistently. When I started focusing on what I do every day instead of my ethereal big goals, I started achieving what I wanted. Some things I do consistently. Study a little bit every morning and night. Write once a day for 30 minutes. Read once a day for 30 minutes. Exercise five times a week. Get as much green space as possible and do something fun once a week. These are the little things that have made huge changes in my life. The world isn't so scary. Recently, I went back to New York City for the first time in like 10 years, and this was a couple years ago. And my first experience with New York City when I first went there was, you know, this is a really scary place. The buildings are really big, and I don't want to be here. I want to be out of here. And that's been my thought always. 
Um, but I went back recently and I had an amazing time. It was so cool to see so many people so motivated and doing so many cool things. My best life experiences have been in Tanzania, Croatia, Amsterdam, Budapest, Italy, Spain. And these are, I thought, crazy places of the world, places that I should be scared of. The world isn't that scary. Go out, explore. When I first saw this Maasai man in Africa leading a hippo only with a stick, a new part of my brain was unlocked. An unknown unknown was unlocked for me. Someone can control this extremely dangerous animal with a stick? How can they do that? Maybe there's something I don't know going on here. Travel, exploration, meeting new and different people can do this for you. Find a way to travel, talk to people and learn about them. The downside is slight and the upside is huge. Number eight, avoid underemployment. Another controversial one, but avoid jobs that don't teach you quality skills or provide some identity capital. And I took this idea from Meg Jay's book, The Defining Decade. Underemployment doesn't pay off. Sometimes it is just a way to pretend we aren't working, such as running a ski lift or doing what one executive called the eternal band thing. While these sorts of jobs can be fun, they are also signal to future employees a period of lostness. A degree from a university followed by too many unexplained retail and coffee shop gigs looks backward. Unless you want to have a career in retail or hospital, those sorts of jobs can hurt our resumes and even our lives. When I was 16, I was a lifeguard for a year. I have no idea why. I wanted a job, but it was underemployment. I wasn't learning anything. I was selling my time for no benefit to myself. I was selling my soul. Whenever I take on a serious task or commitment, I think, why am I doing this? Why am, what am I trying to gain? What will I achieve that, how will I achieve that game with what I'm doing here? Will I have an impact on someone or someone else? Or is this commitment a waste? Am I just another cog in the wheel? Or am I making a true change? Avoid underemployment at all costs. Say no most of the time. Derek Sivers puts his best in his book, Hell Yeah or No. Saying no to things that you feel 7 out of 10 or less about. Because this frees you up to do the things that you feel 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, or 10 out of 10 about. I don't even write, I don't review books that are six out of 10 or less. If it's a seven out of 10, I don't even put that rating because that's not helpful. Seven out of 10 is wishy-washy. Don't be wishy-washy. It's either hell yeah or no. So say no most of the time. I don't know everything. No one knows everything. Why is it such an ego trip to say, I don't know? It's so freeing. I remember when I was first talking to a patient and they wondered why some people get fibrosis of the lung, which is called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. I bumbled around, but eventually I just said, I don't know. And the patient didn't run out of the room. I didn't get fired. They didn't call my supervisor. He respected me. He said, thank you for being honest with me. Realizing my gaps in knowledge is really difficult and really hard. We all want to be the best, most brilliant, and super awesome cool dude there is. However, admitting you don't know something is hugely important. And relaying that to others is even more critical. I found honest communication vital, especially in my early learnings with clinical medicine. The biggest trouble I've seen fellow doctors and medical students and, you know, healthcare professionals get in is lying or pretending like they know something. When, for example, I think there was a student who was presenting to a doctor and the, he didn't like do an abdominal exam, right? And it was really important to do an abdominal exam on the patient, but the student just forgot. It's okay. We forget. And the attending physician asked the student, um, did you examine the patient's belly? And the student immediately replied, yeah, the belly was soft, tender, and no. Uh, the next thing I knew, the student was being pulled into a room for a one-on-one because the student didn't know that the physician was actually there watching the whole thing and saw that he didn't do an abdominal exam. And that student got in deep, deep 
trouble. He would have gotten way less trouble, way less trouble if he said, I'm really sorry, I forgot. I'll do it next time or I'll just go do it later today after we talk. That's what to do. Be honest, tell the truth. Try saying, I don't know. Try saying, I'm wrong. It's hugely empowering and people will respect you for it. 11, no one cares and no one knows. No one cares what you are doing, why you are doing it. When I first posted my first YouTube video, I thought the world would explode and everyone would kill me. No one cares. No one cares. Do that thing. Really, seriously, no one cares. 12 is do the adult things. If you don't know how to do these things, learn how to do them. Laundry, cooking, budgeting, cleaning your living space, taxes, calendar and organization, public speaking, dressing well, doctors and dentist appointments, and insurance. Try to be an adult, for God's sakes, man. Try to be an adult. Okay, don't complain. I can't believe I have so much annoying podcast left to record. This is really annoying. Don't do that. Don't complain. No one likes to hear that. I guess when you were listening to that, you kind of maybe giggled a little bit, but really, in the end, you would have been like, God, why is he complaining? He gets to record a podcast. This is kind of like his job. He gets to just talk to people and people listen. Isn't this insane? The first lesson of how to win friends and influence people is don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Criticizing, I think, is sometimes necessary. I appreciate criticism and it can often help me improve. I don't condemn anyone. However, complaining is always bad. I find myself falling into the trap of complaining way too often, especially in medicine. I feel like it's like a special fun thing to just complain about how much patients suck or doctors suck or the nurses were annoying or I got called too much or something like this. Stop, just stop. Realize what you're doing is amazing. You get to treat people, you get to pee with people at the most dramatic part of your life. You get paid to do this crazy stuff. Don't complain. Wake up and go to bed at the same time. Seriously, just wake up and go to the bed at the same time. The people you hang around you influence you more than you think. The cliche is true. You are the average of the five people you spend around the most time with. Read more. My writing's improved. My vocab's improved. I'm staring at fewer screens. My focus is improved. My communication skills improved. I sound smarter on date. Like, just read more. Seriously, do it now. Do whatever you want to do now. Just start. Okay. I wanted to go through quickly through those because these last three tips I think are the most important tips I'm going to give throughout this entire podcast. If you take anything from this video, take these final three things. These are the biggest things I think I've learned in my 20s. Number one is most things aren't personal, especially personal insults. I wasn't ever seriously bullied when I grew up, but I remember at one point in middle, in middle school, someone called me like lame and weird. And I was lame and weird. I was doing weird things, but it really hurt me. Like for like two weeks, I was kind of at home feeling sad. I'd stay away from people at school. I wouldn't talk. I thought maybe I am lame. Maybe I am strange. Uh, but then the newest Halo like game came out and I was completely fine. In my early 20s, I remember I've had the occasional road rage encounter with someone who'd get really, really mad at me and they'd want to almost fight me sometimes. I'd always drive away or run away. I'm never going to fight anyone for any reason. But again, I took these things personally, but I really shouldn't take these things personally. And I remember reading this cool yogi quote from someone, if you're willing to look at another person's behavior towards you as a reflection of the state of their relationship with themselves, rather than a statement about your value as a person, then you will, over a period of time, cease to react to all. And that's what I do now. I realize that other people's criticism or condemnation of me or attacks on me really isn't a reflection of me. It's much more a reflection on them. Because I know a lot of times when I yell at people or I get angry, I'm just angry at myself for something or I'm disappointed in myself about something. And now I rarely yell at people or I'm angry with people, I think, because I'm much more comfortable with myself. I'm much more confident. And when I am angry and when I am disappointed with someone, I don't criticize them. I just say, you know, listen, this is something that I think we can improve on. And I do it, I think, in a much better way. 
All in all, insults towards you aren't personal. They're a reflection of the person flinging the insults. Number two of my most important tips, start cultivating, cultivating a healthy mind and body now. It's much easier to stay in shape. It's much easier to get in shape in your 20s than it is in your 30s or 40s. Exercise improves sleep, memory, anxiety, depression, all-cause mortality, chronic disease, and premature death. And that's backed by the evidence. So go out, exercise, and improve your life. Here are the things that have had the most significant impact on me in my 20s. Mindfulness, a meditation practice, morning journal, gratitude, reading more, and having more outside and nature time. Get your body and mind in shape as soon as you possibly can. And the last one and the most important thing that I've learned in my 20s is this too shall pass. Everything passes. Your life, your family, your relationships, your job, your failures, your successes, Everything goes away eventually. Realize the good will pass and enjoy it. And realize the bad will pass and realize that it will pass. Everything passes. The high points in life, the low points in life. If you feel like things are really, really sucky right now, they're going to get better. I promise you, they will get better. And if you think things are on top of the world and you're the most amazing person in the world, hold on to that. Feel good about that. But also realize that this might not last forever. This too shall pass. Thank you so much for listening to this, and uh, good luck in your 20s if you're listening to this, because uh, it's, a, it's a fun ride. But I'll see you, talk to you, on the next one.